Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. So we've been talking in the brunch meetings about the ministry of angels, and we have found out that angels are created to serve mankind, even though they were created before mankind. How many of you know that before you need something, God creates it? It's already there. That's what a good father he is. He gave man a job before he gave him a wife so that man could provide. He gave man a garden and all the food and the sun for day and the moon by night before he even created man. He made all the provision before we ever needed it. And he created tens and tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of angels. We don't know how many. And a third of them, as you know, rebelled and were cast out of heaven. But that means two-thirds remain. So greater are the ones that are with us than the ones with the enemy. Thank the Lord for that. And in Hebrews 1.14, it says that they were created to minister on behalf of those who will inherit salvation. Now, I just want to say something because I think it's loads of fun. Uh, Joyce has her sisters here today, her sister and her nieces, and they came all the way from Kenya and moved to San Antonio. Stand up, ladies. Let us see your beautiful faces. Come on. Right here, right in the middle. Isn't that awesome? So make sure you give them a hug and a big San Antonio welcome. I lived, you may be seated, thank you so much. I lived in Germany for two years, and I can tell you there is something called culture shock that is very real. How many of you have ever lived in another country? I mean lived, I don't mean visited. It's a whole different thing. And Joyce's sister, Anne, watched me all the way from Kenya the land of Akuna Matata. It's so awesome. And now they're living in San Antonio. So make sure you make them feel very, very welcome. And I'm just proud of you for the courage to make that journey with your family. All right, so back to the angels who accompanied them when they were coming. Psalm 103, 20 and 21. If you want the ministry of angels in your life, you and I have a role to play. And this is the role. Are you ready? Bless the Lord, you his angels, who do his commandments, listen, hearkening to the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, who minister and do his pleasure. The angels hearken or listen or hear the voice of his word. So if you are not speaking the word of God, you are not giving the angels anything to do. And I've told you the story, I've told it dozens and dozens of times. True story of a Dutchman who got up every morning at 5 a.m. to pray. And one morning he just decided maybe his prayers didn't do any good. And so he stayed in bed until 8 o'clock in the morning. And when he got up, God opened his spiritual eyes. You cannot see an angel. They travel at the speed of light, 180-something thousand miles per second. Unless God opens your eyes. If he opens your spiritual eyes, you might have a glimpse of one. Or like Mary, saw Gabriel, or Daniel, saw Gabriel. I mean, how awesome would that be? 
to see an archangel. And someday we will. So we got up at 8 o'clock in the morning and God opened his spiritual eyes and the room was lined with angels. They were on the chest of drawers. They were on the dresser. They were leaning against the wall and they were yawning. He said, what are you doing? He said, they said, you haven't given us anything to do today. We were waiting. Now I believe that, whether you believe it or not. Because the angels hearken to the voice of God's word. So give the angels something to do every day. Every morning, I speak the word of God without fail. Well, I don't know where to start. Start with Psalm 91. We're living in dangerous times. Personalize it. Lord, thank you that I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I abide under your shadow whose power no foe can withstand. I say to the Lord, you are my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You are giving the angels permission to execute the word of God in your life. And we're going to talk about that today because the most famous probably scripture on angels is found in Psalm 91. And probably many of you can quote it. But if you can't, I hope after today you can. Psalm 91, verses 9 through 13. This is one of the first passages I ever learned as a new, brand new believer when I was 20 years old. I've been doing this for 50 years now. I can tell you it's true. Because you and I have made the Lord your refuge, even the Most High your dwelling place. There shall no evil befall you, nor any plague or calamity come near your tent. For or because he will give his angels charge over you. This is the important part. To keep you in all of your ways. The Amplified Classic says of obedience and service. They shall bear you up on their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. How? Because his angels have charge over you. Because the most high God commands his angels to watch over you, to protect you. How do you personalize that? Lord, I thank you. I make you my refuge. You are my dwelling place. Your word says no evil befalls me. What did you do? You just gave the angels permission to halt evil. To keep you in all of your ways. You gave the angels permission. Lord, when I obey you, when I stay in your way, you command or charge your angels to protect me. That word keep means to guard and to preserve. Lord, I thank you that your angels bear me up on their hands, lest I dash my foot against a stone. With your angels' help, I tread upon the line. The young lion and serpent, I trample under my feet. Who's that? The devil. So you need to learn to speak the word of God. I just told you how to do it. If you don't know anything else, go to Psalm 91. Well, I don't have a Bible. Well, at this church, we give out Bibles. Come join us at 9 and 11 on Sunday. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. We're still doing that, aren't we, Cindy? Okay. <laughs> we should talk before these meetings. <laughs> Go to Psalm 91. The Psalms are easy. Open your Bibles in the middle of the Bible. Go to Psalm 91. Start there. That's where I started. This isn't hard. The only thing that keeps you from it is you. It's your will. So submit your will to the Lord. Begin to speak Psalm 91 out. Now, let me tell you something about this. It is so powerful. It is the 
only scripture the devil quoted to Jesus when Jesus went through the temptation of the wilderness after 40 days of fasting, when his body had begun to digest itself, when he was starving to death, the devil came to him in his weakness in the wilderness and quoted one scripture. I did not realize until yesterday that of the three temptations, two of them challenged his identity. Twice the devil said, if you are the son of God. Now we had just come out of a message by Casey Treat on Sunday on identity, on your I amness. And we were challenged in our I amness to speak I am who God says I am. I am chosen. I am redeemed. I am justified by the blood of the lamb. I am redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I am healed. I am prosperous. Because he is. And greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And as he is, so am I in this world. When you were born again, when you gave your heart to Jesus, and we're going to have prayer ministers up here, if you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do it today. Don't leave here without that. Make him the Savior and the Lord over your life. It's not hard. Again, it's an act of your will. Don't leave here without becoming a child of God. Every service we have, we offer salvation. It's the greatest gift that we can offer to you. In the wilderness, Matthew 4, 5 through 7, the devil took him up to the holy city, placed him on a pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will give his angel charge over you and they will bear you up on their hands lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, the master of deception, the devil, dissects the word of God because he left out a very important phrase. The Bible says he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. When the devil tempted Jesus, he said it is written he will give his angels charge over you and they will bear you up. Now that Hebrew word way means journey or road. So it's no coincidence that he left that out because our road and our way is the way of obedience and service. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. John 14, 6, no man comes to the Father but by me. We know the fatherhood of God by which we cry out, Abba, Father, through Jesus who is the way. So Psalm 91, he will keep you in all of your, the angels will keep you in all of your ways. As we walk in the way of Jesus, which is the way of love, the angels keep us. Now, this is a huge challenge to me. Galatians 4, 5 says we have had sonship conferred on us through which we cry out, Abba, Father. But let me tell you, I've been sharing with the ladies on Tuesday that every word my husband, or every year, excuse me, my husband and I ask the Lord for one word for that year. You should do it. And my word for 2024, which I honestly shuddered when I heard it, was love. Now, why did I shudder? 
Because I'm not talking about let's fall in love and have skyrockets and firecrackers and a gooey feeling and butterflies and my heart beats fast. I've been married 50 years, people, let me tell you. <laughs> After 50 years, you develop a stable love. But anybody who, how many of you have been married 50 years, even if your husband's departed and gone to heaven already? I mean, you still, not many of you. Come on, people. Keep going. Don't quit. I mean, Pam, I mean, do you get all excited when Jim walks through the door? Every day. And we head straight for the kitchen. Okay, enough of that. So my word was love. Randy's word was thoughtfulness, which I have to remind him every day because men forget. And so we challenged our marriage group in the same thing. And every single person in there got a word for the year. And at the end of, of the year, we always go through and we share how we walk that word out. But because I knew when God said love, he was talking about the God kind of love, the first Corinthians kind of love, the love is patient kind of love, the, lo the love is not fretful, touchy, or resentful kind of love. You know, I have full lips. You know why? I bite them a lot. <laughs> Try it. You'll see. <laughs> They're really just swollen. <laughs> and so it is imperative that you walk in love, whether or not that's your word. It's a, it's a way of life. But I knew I would have greater challenges this year to walk in love and to be more like Jesus. Cindy and I were talking yesterday. Love is not an option. Before Jesus went to the cross and he had a special meeting with his disciples, he gave a command. He said, this is my commandment that you love one another. Not this is my suggestion. This is my hope. This is my commandment. When my girls were growing up, and I don't know about you, but my kids fought all the time. And I would get so wearied of it that I came up with this idea. They hated it. If they started fighting, I would make them face each other and sing that song. This is my commandment that you love one another. <laughs> Try it. It'll help. But it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. He said, all men will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. Amen. And God will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. So when you walk in the way of love, in the path of Jesus, those angels are not yawning against a wall. They are executed to obey the voice of God's word. And if I say nothing else to you today, that would be the word of the day. I've told the story many times. I can't talk about angels without telling the story of a personal experience I had that was so powerful. Some years ago, I was on Hebner. I was driving, and I was driving the speed limit, which is 45. And I pass quite a few subdivisions when I'm getting, going to 1604. And they all have rock wall entrances, as I approach going 45, one of the subdivisions, a lady in a suburban with children in the car, I could see the children, was not paying attention to this red hexagonal sign. What do those signs say? Stop. Wasn't paying attention and proceeds to pull out. 
And you know how in an instant, you know what's going on. And in an instant, I knew that I was going to T-bone her, which I'm told are the most fatal accidents. And I was going to hit those children. So rather than hit those children, I swerved into the subdivision to avoid hitting her. And I was headed straight for a rock wall and I completely lost control of my car. I had zero control. And you know, when you immerse yourself in the word and you live a life talking to Jesus, that's what will come out of you. Whatever you give the most attention to in a time of trial is what will come out of you. Side note, at the time, one of the worst aviation disasters in history, now I'm sure that 9-11 excels that, two 747s collided in midair on the runway in the Canary Islands. And when the black box was retrieved, the pilot was cursing God. What you stored in you will come out of you in a time of trial. But I've stored the name of Jesus who lives in me and has made his home in my heart. And with all of my being, having lost total control of the car and knowing I was going to hit that rock wall, I cried out, Jesus, I don't want to break the sound system because I was loud. And all of a sudden, a supernatural force took the wheel and I found myself perfect at the stop sign. Needless to say, my adrenaline was pumping. And I, my heart was racing. I was breathing hard. And I was like, and you know, God bless that lady. I, I, she had pulled out into the median. And she literally was goosenecking. And I could see her looking over her shoulder with her mouth open. And so I was safe. I took a right at the stop sign, got back on Hebner, and began to praise the Lord. And I heard the scripture, Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe, high above evil and strong. And I began to praise God. And I heard his voice say, you ran to the name instead of into the wall. You ran into the name instead of into the wall. And as I began to pray, I said, Lord, what just happened? <laughs> I mean, what just happened? I did not see a screen. I did not see an open vision. But on the inside of me, in my spirit man. And listen to me. When you walk with the Lord for a long time, you know the difference between this, your thoughts, and this. And on the screen of my spirit, and all of you have it, whether or not you practice it, I saw a huge angel that took the wheel and steered me into that position. You know why? The name of the Lord is a strong tower when I spoke the name. It gave an angel permission to rescue me. Why doesn't that happen to everybody? I don't know. I don't know why everything bad happens. You know, if you have a book that says, why do bad things happen to good people? Throw it away. We don't know all the answers. Nobody does. And you know, I've learned 
that the secret things belong to God, but the things revealed, the scripture says, belong to us. So when God reveals something to you, take it. And so let's look. And by the way, part of the word of the Lord to me in my, my um, word for 2024 on love is that I was to be a fighter of love. And I want to ask you to join me that. I want to ask you to join me in being a fighter for love, the love of God. So let's look at a few Bible stories, and then I'm going to read you a real story that is really pretty exciting, and then we'll close. And you probably know these stories, even if you don't read the Bible. You probably know all these stories, so we're just going to go over them really quickly. One is found in 2 Kings 6, 9 through 17. And in this story, Elisha and his servant were faced with a huge army of Syrian soldiers, and they were going to die. And Elijah, Elisha was with his servant, and the servant was very frightened. And so Elisha, the Syrian king, sent horses, chariots, and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city because they were after Elisha. When the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was around the city. Elisha's servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha answered, Fear not, for those with us are more than those with them. And that still stands today. And then Elisha prayed. He gave the angels vocally something to work with. You've got to use your words. You've got to open your mouth. You've got to say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And he said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the young servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. So the Lord surrounded him with angelic forces. You know this story, Daniel 3, 17 through 28. Remember how the kingdom... Um, the servants of the king hated Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember them? And so they came up with this plot that if you didn't eat, do what the king said, you had to die. And they would not obey the king's orders because in this case, they had to submit to a higher authority. They would not worship the king. They would not worship the gods of the king as they were commanded to do. And they told the king, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden images which you've set up. This is Daniel 3, 17 through 28. And Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. His facial expression was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he commanded the furnace should be heated seven times hotter than usual. And he commanded the strongest men in the army to bind them and cast them into the burning furnace. And these three men were bound with their coats and their tunics and their undergarments, their turbans and their clothing, and they were cast into the midst of the fiery furnace. And therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame and the sparks from the fire killed the men who handled Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
And these three men fell down, bound into the burning furnace. And then Nebuchadnezzar the king saw and was astounded. He jumped up and he said, didn't we cast three men bound into the furnace of fire? And they answered, true, O king. And he said, behold, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And the fourth is like the son of the gods. It is believed this was the pre-incarnate Christ. And then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the furnace and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the midst of the fire. And are you ready for this? And everyone gathered around. The fire had no power on their bodies. Their hair was not singed. Their garments were not scorched in chain or changed in color, nor had even the smell of smoke touched them. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had sent his angel, who had sent his angel, who sent his angel and delivered his servants, who believed in, trusted in, relied on him. And they set aside the king's command, and they yielded their bodies rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Now, what happened? They used their mouth, and they said, we will not serve any god but the one true God. What happened? The angels hearkened to the voice of that word. Now, I don't know what your fire is today. I know many of you are in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. But I'm telling you, if you will keep your confession on the one who is able to deliver, if you will keep your confession on God Most High, if you will keep yourself in the shelter of the Most High God, how do you do that? I just told you, walk in love. Get 1 Corinthians 13, read it every day. Find out how love does. What does love do? Love is an action verb. And begin to walk in love. And so somebody comes and they say something ugly to you or they do something bad to you and they offend you. And what do you do? Love is not touchy, fretful, or resentful. Love does not keep score of wrongs. You think it's easy? Try it. It's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. I don't like it. But I don't want God to keep score of my, my wrongs. And so I'm going to obey him. Ephesians 5.1 says, be an imitator of God as a beloved child. And I'm determined to do that by the grace of God. Another story that you know, Daniel 6, 16 through 24. I won't read it all. Same scenario. Fall down and worship the king. Daniel said, I will not. And the king actually liked Daniel, but he made this decree because his uh, servants with an agenda wanted Daniel dead. And the king said, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. And they threw him in the midst of lions. You know that story, Daniel in the lion's den, right? And the king spent the whole night fasting. He wouldn't watch visual entertainment. And he couldn't sleep all night because he, he loved Daniel. But he bound himself to his own words. And very early the next morning, the king got up. He went to the lion's den. And he called out in anguish, Daniel! servant of the living God was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions now remember Daniel had been confessing the faithfulness of God and Daniel answered long live the king my God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so they would not hurt me for I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you your majesty what a phenomenal story you might be in the middle of a lion's den today. 
But you keep your confession on the one who is able to deliver and rescue you no matter how bad it seems. Hey, listen, I'm older than a lot of you. I've been there many times. <laughs> and they haven't eaten me alive yet. They've tried. But they're still hungry. First Peter 5, the apostle Peter says, the devil stalks about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him firm in your faith. Knowing you're not alone. Other people are suffering just like you. There's enough women in this room. There's 300 women in this room. That is enough. Together we stand. And you know what I like about this? I mean, it's not very nice. But the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel and had them thrown into the lion's den ooh, with their wives and children. And the lions leapt on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. That's how hungry the lions are. But they're not going to eat me. Just say it out loud. You're not going to eat me. I will not be your prey. And then there's 1 Kings 19, the story of Elijah. And he was scared out of his tunic. Because Jezebel said, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. And so Elijah, in verse 3, fled for his life. And he said to the Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. And he lay down and slept. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came, touched him again. Get up and eat because the journey ahead will be too much for you. He got up, he ate, he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 now nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Did you know angels cook? They cook. I don't ever, you know, I mean, I, hey, if you're a prepper, good, I'll come to your house. But let me just tell you right now, I never worry about it. Remember Y2K? Remember the agenda of Y2K? We were at the Godwins. Remember that? When the clock was going to turn? So you know what we did? We just, Rick just talked to people in Australia because they're a whole day ahead of us. <laughs> True story. So we already knew we were going to be okay. But you know, I stored up all this water because I thought I'd go without food, but not water. And I'm telling you the truth. I put it all upstairs, these gallons of water in an upstairs closet. My children are here. They'll tell you. And you know what? Every one of them leaked. You know why? Exodus 23, 25 says, serve the Lord your God. He will bless your bread and your water. And he will remove sickness from your midst. You know, we can trust him. He's faithful. So, oh, I don't think it's a bad idea to have extra food and stuff. I mean, Lord knows during Snowmageddon. <laughs> I mean, it was nice to have some extra food. I couldn't open my refrigerator because I had no electricity. But, you know, you can live on bars or canned beans for a while. So it's not a bad idea. But I really trust the Lord. And you know what happened after a snowmageddon? I remembered that our electricity came on at five in the morning. And all the lights came on all of a sudden. And Randy and I jumped out of bed. We were asleep. And the first thing we said was coffee. <laughs> I said, Randy, hurry before it cuts off. 
And then you know what we did? We got dressed and we drove to Whole Foods and they were just putting out all this fresh produce and I just filled my basket with greens. And it was so wonderful. And how, how many of you have seen Mr. Magoo Christmas Carol? Anybody, you know, so I mean, you have to be my age. Okay. Well, anyway, so when Mr. Magoo repents after the angel of the future shows him his future, if he doesn't repent and do good, he is so happy. He begins giving out food and giving out gifts and he becomes a totally new person. And, and that's how I was. I was going to the people stocking the produce and just, I just love you. Thank you so much. Thank you for providing God will provide for you. Two kings, 1935, and it all came to pass. For that night, an angel, the angel of the Lord went forth and slew 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the king arose early in the morning, there was nothing but dead bodies. Acts 5, 17 through 20. Apostles are thrown in prison, but an angel of the Lord came at night and opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. Acts 12, 6 through 10, Peter was to be placed on trial. He was put in prison. He was fast asleep, fastened with chains between the two soldiers. And while one stood at the prison gate, and suddenly there was a bright light in the cell. An angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to wake him up and said, get up. And the angel fell off, a chains fell off. And the angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals. And he did. Put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. And Peter left the cell following the angel. He thought it was a vision, but it was actually happening. I was thinking this morning, if you feel a pain in your side, it could be an angel. You ought to ask. Matthew 18, 10, for mamas, grandmamas, Beware that you don't look down on any of little children. For Jesus said, I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly father. Your children and grandchildren have an angel in the presence of God watching on their behalf. I love that. Stop living by what has happened to others. This is what it sounds like. But what about? But what about? But what about, look what happened to that person. But what about them? But what about her? Listen, the what abouts are rooted in has God said. I've had to stop doing that because those are faith wreckers. Remember the wall I almost hit? You'll run right into that wall. Instead, run to the name. What about Matthew 2, 13 through 15? Wise men left and an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to kill the child. And that night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary. And by then, Jesus is about two. And they stayed there until Herod's death. You can trust if you will walk in the ways of the Lord, the angels of God will hearken to your voice. They obey the voice of God's word. They respond to the word of God. But people, listen to me, they decommission the angels when you get into unbelief and disobedience. When you start saying wrong things about God, when you say negative things about God and you speak words of unbelief, you're decommissioning your angels. This is a scripture easy for you to remember. We're going to memorize it right now. You ready? 
The angel of the Lord encamps about those who fear him, and each of them he delivers. All right, say it with me. The angel of the Lord encamps about those who fear him, and each of them he delivers. Let's say it again. The angel of the Lord camps around those who fear him, and each of them he delivers. Psalm 34, 7. There you go, right there. So release your angels to work on your behalf, so that even a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, it will not come near you. I'm going to close with a story. It's a true story. A friend gave me this book. It's called Saved by Angels by Bruce Venata. The events of November 16th, 2006 changed my life forever. I will never forget what happened on that day. It will be with me as long as I live. Many of us can think of defining moments in our lives. Sometimes they're marked by tragedy and sometimes by triumph. Rarely are they marked by both. But this was one of those uncommon days. I was a self-employed diesel mechanic who performed on-site repairs. On this particular day, I was at a customer's shop about 45 minutes from home. I had worked nearly 12 hours that day in order to complete my portion of the engine repairs, and I was just finishing up. I had been working with the driver of the truck, and after we put the engine back together, we began checking it over and testing the repairs. The rest of the truck had not been completely reassembled. But the driver planned on finishing the remaining work the next day. I began to put my tools back into the toolbox on my service truck as the semi-engine ran up to operating temperature. The driver asked me, since I was there, if I could diagnose a non-related oil leak before I left. I was in a hurry to get home, but I thought this task would only take a few extra minutes. I rolled underneath the front of the truck feet first on a creeper, and I started wiping off the area that appeared to be leaking. All of a sudden, the truck fell off the jack and crushed me against the concrete floor. The front axle had come down across my midsection like a blunt guillotine, nearly cutting me in two. From my viewpoint, it looked like and felt like I was cut in half. In a moment of panic, I tried to bench press the 10,000 plus pound mass off of me. When reality set in, I realized the gravity of the situation and I called out, God help me. I listened as the truck driver called 911. When he got off the phone, I begged him to shut the engine off because the vibration of the engine directly above me was transmitted through the axle and right into my body. Small amounts of blood started to come out of my mouth when I tried to talk. I watched as the driver repositioned the jack and raised the truck off of my body. I was scared of it falling again, and I wanted to get out from underneath that truck in the worst way. The large chrome front bumper was just behind my head, and I reached both hands back and I grabbed the bottom of it. It took all the strength I had for me to pull myself far enough that my head was out from under the truck. I stayed conscious long enough to see the first person who responded to the 911 call. The next thing I remember, I was at least 10 or 15 feet above the scene looking down at my body. The strangest part about my out-of-body experience was feeling like I was just an observer to what was happening below me. It was as if I was watching a movie. I felt no emotion, only a sense of peace. 
I heard one man say to another that there was no way I was going to live, and it didn't matter to me one way or another. From my viewpoint, I could tell my body was still mostly under the truck, but that my head was sticking out from under the front bumper. I could see my eyes were closed and that my head was turned toward the driver's side of the truck. The man I had been working with was on his knees above me and was crying and patting me on the head as he was talking to me. I could hear and understand every word he said. The most incredible thing wasn't that I was having this experience. It was what I saw next. On either side of my body were twin angels, also on their knees, facing the front of the truck. From my vantage point, I was watching from above and beneath, behind them. The driver of the truck is over six feet tall, yet the heads of these angels were at least a foot and a half taller than his head. If they would have been standing up, I think they would have been close to eight feet tall. They had very broad shoulders and looked to be extremely muscular. They, there, there were no wings. Each angel had positioned his arms under the truck angled toward my body. The angels had ringlets of long blonde hair that fell at least halfway down their backs. They were wearing white or ivory robes. It was hard to tell the exact color because of a yellowish light surrounding each angel. They seemed to be glowing. I also noticed that the robe fabric was very unusual. It was a woven material, but the thread size was very large, like miniature ropes. It appeared to be very strong and durable. The angels never moved. They were steady as statutes. I couldn't see their faces because my view was from behind them. But from what I could see, they were identical in appearance. And then it goes on. I, it's long. I can't read the whole story. As I lay there, I heard a voice in my head telling me to shut my eyes and give up. When I did shut my eyes, the incredible pain stopped. And I could feel my spirit drifting away from my body. But there was also another voice. And this one was quieter more like a whisper. It told me that if I wanted to live, I would have to fight and it would be a hard fight. It was almost as if the red-haired emergency worker could hear that voice too because she asked me what I had to fight for. All I could think of was my wife and my four children. These two voices are conflicting thoughts volleyed back and forth in my head. If you think of that old cartoon with the devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other, you can picture what was happening. The louder the voice that was telling me to give up and die was not from God, but the whispering voice that told me to fight was. As always, the devil promotes death and God promotes life. It's interesting to note that God will always tell us the truth. He warned me it was going to be a hard fight, and it has been. It seems that most often the right choice is not the easiest choice. Right from the beginning of this nightmare, my wife and I have clung to Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It doesn't say that all things are from God. It says he will work good in all things. It's too early to see all the good things that God has planned to come out of this tragedy, but we can already see some of them. My wife's faith has grown by leaps and bounds. She's closer to the Lord than she's ever been. Our family is more compassionate toward the needs and problems of others. I have become more patient than I used to be. Our home church has rallied together to support our family in a way many senior members of the church have told us has never happened in the past. Some people who are not involved actively in prayer and church life have been drawn back to the Lord. Some have said the accident has caused a revival in our community. 
Some have been permanently affected by my story of seeing the angels who saved my life. It makes it hard for even skeptics to argue the reality of these miracles when they are shown the medical facts. More than once, I have seen people break down in tears after hearing my story. People are affected when confronted with the truth of God's reality, mercy, and love. Because of this fact and because of Lori his wife, I want to be obedient to what God is telling us. We have decided to go into full-time ministry, and it is clear to us, although this accident started out as a tragedy, the Lord has used the timing to bring triumph to his kingdom. Now, this was published in 2008, and I did Google it, and I'm telling you, this man and his family today are in full-time ministry. They're executing the word of God, Romans 8, 28. I just want to encourage you today, no matter what you're facing, say what God says. Go back to our, our live stream or go to summitsa.com to media. Listen to Casey's message from Sunday. Rick's been talking to us about honor. Listen to his messages on honor. You know why? If you honor God, God will honor you. It's the word. Can I ask the prayer ministers to please come up? Whatever your need is today, they will help you execute the voice of God's word. And when you do, the angels are here to serve you and strengthen you. Remember, we looked at the angels at the October meeting. They are here to strengthen you in times of trial. In December, they are messengers of God. Today, they are protectors. Let's release them. Let's give God permission to charge them on your behalf, to bear you up out of the lion's den, out of the fiery furnace, out from under the semi that has tried to cut you in half. God wants to make you whole. Father, I thank you that your word is truth. I thank you, Lord, according to Psalm 91, that a thousand may fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand. It shall not come near us. I thank you that according to Isaiah 54, that fear and oppression are far from us. I thank you that you command your angels to take charge over us, to guard us in all of our ways of obedience and service. And I ask you today, Lord, to command the angels on behalf of my brothers and sisters, that we will see the victories and that all things work together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.